Hey bro, you wanna collab? Hey, howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another Extra Reverb episode. This is episode, I believe, number 30. It's me, again, it's me, Austin, before we get into anybody else. World Famous Secret back again with Jacob, a.k.a. Lucid Domino. Man, we're 30. We can not only drink, but we could rent a car for the last five years in California. Or an RV everywhere else. Anyways, today we're here with a fellow producer named Firamoda. Or Will. Hey guys, what's going on? Nothing much. Yeah, we got some questions for you, Will. But first off, let's just start off by saying this. Man, how are you doing, man? How are you doing, bruh? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Had a lot of time in the past few months to do some creating. Have some new works coming out soon, actually. Uh, June 1st. No, oh, is this June? July 1st. There we go. That's yeah. better. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, I'm doing well. I think we're missing an important detail we should just at least mention real quick. I think you know what it is. Coker's not in the podcast anymore. Yeah, Jacob, we went over this last episode. Did we do an episode without him? Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, did we? Mm Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember that. Never mind. Coker's still gone. That's the update. Jacob, we talked about this. It's the episode we're doing tomorrow. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yep, yep, got it. All right, well, back to it. All right, so, yes, Jacob, we we just went over this. It was the episode we did last week. It was the oh, episode I, we yep, uploaded last I week. I remember that. I was there. You were definitely there, and so was I. Um, but anyways, let's get back to talking to Will about his project, Furamoda, or his producing stuff under the name Furamoda. First off, you want to give us like a, a brief overview. Just tell us about like what kind of music you usually make. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually, a, <laughs> every time I'm asked that question, I don't really know how to answer. Actually, Austin, I remember I was talking to you on Instagram a little while ago, um, <laughs> just kind of giving you a, like a, like I gave you a peek at the new song I have working on right now. And I was like, what uh, what genre is this? <laughs> because right. when it comes to genre, I've always had trouble with uh, identifying my own genre. But, yeah. you know, you gave me the idea, chill step. I like that. I'm cool with that. Chill step, down tempo, funky, future-based beats. You know, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to pick when, uh, unless you're doing a specific, like, oh, I'm going to do a rap song today. If you're just kind of making a song, it, it becomes a lot harder to kind of identify, like, what am I making here sometimes? It definitely does. Yeah, like this this other guy we interviewed named Chase, he has this song called Chicago, Chase Dunkley, Chicago. And that song is so hard to classify because it's like cinematic and also future based and also it has some rock elements. It just went through like a bunch of different genres and it melded together so fluidly. That's what I think of as like, really like more personal music. It's like, you're not uh, saying, oh, I'm this kind of artist, you know? It's saying, this is my music. I think that's cool. Even though like I'm sitting there just doing lo-fi stuff over and over again. So I guess I am a lo-fi artist, but um, something like that, I think is cool too. Yeah, I love it. I mean, if you really think about it, that's where 
the new genres really come out is when there's something new you can't quite describe. And so over time, you just add a new, you just come up with a new genre and then bam, it's a new subgenre and then people can produce in that. And then over time that becomes, you know, it's all fluid, right? I mean, all the styles and sounds, it's all fluid. It's constantly changing and evolving. And that's yeah. the fun of it. I leave the genre more up to the listener, even though for marketing purposes, you have to, you have to, you know, explain it somehow to people, which is the hard part. You have to pick something. Right. Okay. But uh, I think that people all want to know, speaking of marketing to an audience, the audience would like to know, I think, how slash when did you get started making music? Oh, yeah. So music, music's been a part of my life since I was young. I think this was fourth grade, maybe fifth grade. I started playing in the orchestra at school. I played viola, actually. I loved it. I did that for a few years. That was my first introduction into music. And then I remember going into a store, like a Target or something one day. Hmm. This was around maybe seventh, eighth grade. And I remember seeing a software, computer software, like on disc, MTV Music Generator. <laughs> That's definitely hmm. going to date me. Um, but it was yeah. just this interesting software for, it just said making music. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Let me check this out. I like already playing music. I haven't really tried to make any, so let's check this out. So I got that, and that really just, from then on, I was like, yeah, this is what I want. I don't have to rosin my bow for 30 minutes. Every time I want to play, I can just hit a key. Sign me mm -hmm. up, man. And also just the wide amount of samples, uh, sounds yeah. you could come up with, synthesized sounds, just the opportunities and the possibilities seem endless and... I really never looked back. I did that for maybe a few years. That was my first introduction until I found FL. And that was maybe, I don't know, like freshman year of high school when I got into FL and never, never looked back. I've been on FL since. So that was the software that was on the PlayStation, right? No, it was on, it was on computer actually. It was on PC. Um, cause I, I also remember, and I, I looked it up to verify there's an MTV music generator that was also for the PlayStation. I don't know if it's the same app or not. Oh. Um, but it'd be funny if you could tell people that your first, uh, DAW was on the PlayStation. <laughs> um, I, but I do remember watching videos on that a couple years ago, just being amused, like what? <laughs> this is just a DAW on your PlayStation one. Um, yeah, no, I do remember having something on the PlayStation, some kind of music thing. And it might be what you're talking about, actually. But right. the one I had was definitely on PC. But yeah, it was crazy time, man. You could make yeah. beats on a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, we already talked about Mario Paint, too. Oh, yeah. But really quick, um, I'm curious about one thing. Go back to the viola thing. What exactly made you pick the viola over all the other instruments? Hmm. You know, that's a good question. I don't really remember, to be honest. I do know that anytime it comes to me picking something, I've always felt like I want to go with not what's the most popular thing, like what's next. So for me, yeah. like violin, everyone knew what that was. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. That's just a very common thing. And I love cello. And I was like, well, that's also kind of common. And then viola, that was new. I was like, I don't, I never even heard of that before. Um, so I was yeah, like, cool. cool, let's do that. Then sounds pretty much like a violin, just a little lower. So let's do it. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. That's cool. So when you moved over to um, 
the computer, did you teach yourself to play the keyboard? Because I know you said like you hit a key and you hear a sample. <laughs> yes, that definitely came later. Like the MTV music generator days was definitely a lot of clicking and not much playing, you know, keyboard type stuff. It really wasn't until the FL days when I got a proper MIDI keyboard that I began to, you know, just teach myself how to play chords and things like that. And I mean, since then I've have other keyboard instruments and picked up the guitar also self-taught. So yeah. a lot of that just came later, oh, you know, cool. after I was used to how the actual programs worked. So you said um, that you used FL Studio. Is that the only DAW you use primarily? Primarily, absolutely, yeah. I also have Machine. Okay. So I use that on occasion. That's more for me like an idea generator. Um, I really don't flesh out a full project on Machine. I usually have bits and pieces there. And then I'll export those out, load up FL Studio, and that's where the bulk of my work is. So definitely FL, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think I think my official first doll was also FL Studio. Uh, I, I try, There's a short stint of me trying to use Sony Acid 7. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of that. <laughs> I remember I that. I think I've talked about it on the show before. But it's just it's basically Sony Vegas, but music making mode. And it's I don't think it's great at all, but maybe I just had no idea what I was doing at the time. My best friend in high school used acid actually. I remember when I really? first when we first met, he was into acid and I was, you know, the software, he was not into the drug. Acid. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and um, I remember showing him yeah. FL and I was like, Man, you gotta try this. Cause I, I looked at acid and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it can do like what FL can. And I eventually got him over to FL and he's been there ever since also. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I was um I was really into your favorite Martian. I don't know if you've heard of them. There's some cartoon YouTube band at, uh, back then in 2011. I heard that the main guy that produces the music for them used Sony Acid. So back then when I was a kid, I was like, I got to get Sony Acid. This will get me there. <laughs> that's so what I that's, need. That's always fun to think about. I think our next question here then is, uh, you know, it's not really a question. <sighs> Hang on. <laughs> okay, that's weird how we worded this, but you have a new song coming out here pretty soon. I believe it's coming out July 1st. Yeah, that's right. July 1st, I have a new single. It's called Ofi featuring Carl's. And uh, it's the second work that we've collaborated on. The first one being Anu, I believe back in 2019. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. It's coming soon, available on all platforms July 1st. It's very much a mix of my signature kind of groovy, funky, spacey beats and sounds and his um, very aggressive arpeggios and like blending in and out bass lines and synths. So I'm really excited, yeah, to have everyone here. And I have a bunch of uh, sneak previews actually on my Instagram right now if you want to check that out, at Furamoda. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I saw those actually. And speaking of signatures, uh, is this recorded in four four? Because we we like we were listening to it and like it had a really weird, not weird in a bad way, but a really interesting uh, kind of like time rhythm. pattern rhythm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the word to it. And we're just like, what? Like I think it's I think it's four four. I'm not sure. I'm trying to like count out to it. It's it's I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I was just curious if there is anything special done to it to get that rhythm for you. So rhythmically at its core, yeah, it's four four. Absolutely. Okay. Um, it's the stuttering synths um, due to all that modulation that just give it that that rhythm and the bounce that sounds like it might be something else. But yeah, definitely um, cut 4-4. Four, four. Um, but yeah, I love the stuttering synth sounds because it gives it that, that movement. 
And I love having that movement in the vibe. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you make that song? Like, how did it start out? How did the collab sort of come about? And what was your process for building it? The production anyways? Yeah, that's a good question. Because this really was a project that um, has been in the works for a while, since I would say 2020, honestly. Um, I believe that's when I first had the sketch, the outline of the idea. The original part I had for the song were the synths. I created those in Massive X, which I, I love. I've been using that since it came out. That's my primary synthesizer workhorse for the moment. And I just remember coming up with that little synth sound and that very simple chord progression, but it was catchy. And I kind of just sat on that for a while because I couldn't find that next part. You know, I couldn't find, okay, where does this go? What happens next? I know I have this piece, but it's going to get very repetitive. And I just kind of sat on it. I would, I would make other things. I would come back to it, add a little bit, like add a drum pattern here, change it later on. And then I eventually thought, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do this on my own. It, it became something in my mind that was like, I liked it very much, but uh, perfectionism was getting in the way. And it was preventing me from really coming out with a full idea. And that's when I decided, you know, I need, yeah. I need some help. Let me get some help. Let me call up my buddy Carl's because we worked in the past together. And I was like, hey man, I have the song that uh, I'm just kind of stuck on. Hopefully you can give me some ideas, some inspiration, keep it moving along. And yeah, he listened to it. He liked it. And we kind of went back and forth for a long time, a few months. Sometimes months at a time would pass before we would like send a stem back and forth just simply because I had other things going on. He had other things going on. Um, but eventually it all came to fruition at the end and I was satisfied and and then here we are. So it was kind of a long process of going back and forth of me trying to knock down my own perfectionism and just let it go because I knew if I would just, I, can, I could work on this forever, right? I think most musicians can empathize with that, that there's something that you like a lot and you just keep wanting to edit it because it's like, well, I can do this and I can do that. But if you keep doing that, you're just never going to, release it. And I just had to let that go and say, okay, it's, it's good. I like it. Let's just uh, wrap it up and release it to the world and see how it goes. Yeah. Let's just vibe. Right. Right. Yeah. We definitely feel that. I know I do anyways. I'm sure Jacob does too. Uh, yeah. Right. <clears throat> Jacob. Yeah. You hear me? Hanging, bro. I, I, I said something. I don't know if you heard me. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. So speaking of like, like compared to this song, what like is your normal procedure for making beats? And what percentage, like when you're producing, what percentage of the sounds you get are like in the box versus out of the box with like external synths and, you know, stuff like that? Hmm. Instruments, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, you said you play guitar. Do you ever use guitar? I have. I have. I, I've, um... I know you said uh, you don't like to... Uh, record much because all you have is a snowball but <laughs> yeah yeah i have there has been a few times where i will come up with an idea on guitar and then just transpose that into the studio with into midi oh, yeah. and then go on from there with the sound design not very often yeah but i have a few examples of that yeah that's cool man. but in general for me i'm mostly inspired by honestly sound sound design i love opening up like a fresh session of Massive X, just blank, you know, nothing but mm. a sine wave. And 
just go from there, you know, do modulation, effects, routing, things like that. And then sometimes I'll just sample something and then put that into a granulizer to come up with something else. Just the, this, I'm inspired by new sounds. And that's usually where I start. Yeah. It'll be the sound like the, like maybe a bass or a, a melody or something, some, some kind of synthesized sound I start with. And then, you know, drums will come in later to kind of accent that. I would say as far as your question about in versus out of the box sounds, really the only thing I use samples for is going to be drums. I do have mm-hmm. some cases where I'll synthesize some drum sounds, but most of the time I'm going to have some kind of sample pack with drum sounds. Honestly, I use, to be honest, I use most of the like just basic drum sounds. You can have like <laughs> FL Studio comes with like the basic sound kit. Honestly, I start there. I mean, mm. if you're using the proper effects and wave shaping, you can get so many different sounds out of that, you know? So I, I start there. I'll process those as I see fit. Um, but the synth sounds are going to be, I mean, that's that's 100% just sound design, Massive X patches, things like that. I was wondering about that. You said you'd like to um, like process even a, just a simple sine wave yeah. with Massive. I've never used Massive, so how does that work? Like, what sort of capabilities does it have? Well, being that it's a wavetable synthesizer, of course you have these huge wavetables and there's so many of them. Honestly, though, I find myself right. using the wavetable function rarely, uh, if ever, honestly. I would just like to start with something simple and then through creative filtering, modulation, distortion effects, other post effects, I mean... Reverb obviously is a big one, chorus delays, and then like like I said, sampling that and then throwing that into a granularizer and see what comes out the other side. You can just have so many, yeah, just so many different options, really. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Tell us about the granulizer, actually. Which granulizer do you use? Yeah, so I have two. Honestly, the primary one I use is the one that's just stock. It's built into FL, FL granulizer. I also have oh, one, um, I forget the name of it. I'm going to have to look that up and I'll let you know. There's another one I use though. Um, I don't even want to say the name because I know I'm going to say the wrong name. Um, but it is an external um, granulizer. I don't use that one much though. I find myself going back to a lot of stock things at FL, not only because if you know how to use them, you can get great sounds out of it, but because natively it's so easy to modulate and mm. set up automation clips for and I love doing that it's so easy to in FL you can just right click any parameter in a native um, VST and assign it to a parameter like a an LFO or you know like a keyboard knob or something like that um, and I just love the ease of use and like I said really a lot of the time if you know how to use it you can get very similar if not the same type of sounds from like I said the external one I use I can have very similar, if not the same, results with the built-in stock. So I use a lot of stock. I try to make use of everything I have. I very much have a philosophy of, it's not about what you have, it's about how you use it. And I very much practice that with, you know, what do I have? I try to keep my workflow simple. Like maybe my sound design or like my effects uh, routing isn't simple, but it's like a lot of stock plugins honestly going on there occasionally i have some extra distortion plugins or something like that but a lot of it is just stock that's real cool 
So, so do you often use like as simple, you know, square waves and sine waves, and then once you get all the effects on it, kind of get a cool sound from there? I know that's kind of how I go about it a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like it's, you know, it's amazing how much you can do with sound design if you really just understand some of the, some of the fundamentals and like how har- harmonics work and things like that, how different effects work and how modulation. And like frequency modulation, pitch modulation, things like that really can go a long way with just a simple sine wave. And that's definitely been one of my focuses within the, within the last two years has been on sound design from scratch. I really dedicate a lot of time in my sessions to just sitting down, like I said, with a blank slate and massive and uh, creating something from scratch. I love that. That to me is one of the most inspiring parts of creating. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, how do you normally process your drums when you're making your music? Yeah, yeah. So again, I'll take a, you know, something just that I like timbre-wise that fits with the other sounds I have. Um, Sidechain to bass, of course, as a sub or something like that. And sometimes it's some creative sidechain that isn't really necessary for mixing purposes, but it just has an interesting sound like sidechaining a, a snare to the synth. I mean, that might be important mix-wise, I guess, if you have the high frequencies clashing, but just little things like that that just can make the drums interact with the song in a dynamic way rather than just static. I feel like yeah. that adds another element of... Uh, you know, just the layer there that makes it seem like it's all kind of intermingling, you know, rather than having a static compressor on the drums. I like to sidechain things to make them interact with each other. Yeah, there's a plugin in Reason. Uh, I'm forgetting what it's called. I know Austin knows what it is. And it has a great uh, sidechaining effect. And when you're doing stuff like that, it's not even to actually like turn down the volume to like, let's say it goes along with the bass or, you know, whatever it is to kind of help, you know, keep it clean in the mix it's just more of an intentional sound just the pumping of it exactly yeah a lot of these effects i I, I use that a lot and in a lot of my music with reason yeah purposeful like not everything has to be for like you said like like mixing wise sometimes it's intentional to make a brand new sound out of sidechain and any other really any other type of modulating effects not really to make it sound like make it fit in a mix but to give it an entirely new sound yeah as a wise man once said if it sounds good it is good (laughs) yep um that's really interesting too i also cannot remember the name of that plugin jacob i can look i can easily find out but i use it all the time (laughs) you think i remember one sec i I usually don't use it but Oh, I um, use it quite a bit. Maybe I'm exaggerating how about. much I use it, but I've used it quite a bit because you see, like, I just need the sound of a side chain. I don't need the side chain. Yeah, something. I gotcha. Then it's better gotcha. than than wiring and getting all that done. Uh, the plugin is called Synchronous. Duh. Oh, okay. that that one's. Uh, I think okay. that one came in in reason eight or nine. I think. No, it wasn't an eight. It was Seven? In ten. I think. I think it, it came wasn't in in ten. ten. I think it was nine. Pretty sure. Both of us use uh, Reason, by the way, Well, Cool, Reason. But yeah, like Jacob said, he's used FL before. I've actually never used it. I've tried live for like 30 minutes and that's it. Um, although I have <laughs> ran it before. I've ran it in like what it was supposed to be, which was live backing tracks. But I've never produced in it more than 30 minutes. Yeah, I so, But I have used it. But FL is like the only major DAW that I've never tried. 
I know I did a few hours of Ableton, but I just couldn't really figure it out. Uh, I never produced, like, technically. I never released a song with Ableton. And FL Studio, I like, maybe one or two songs that were technically finished. But let's just say it's something I'd never show you guys intentionally. Uh, I know what I, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, next, you know, back then. <laughs> oh, Austin, I think you should give it a shot, man. You should try FL. You know, I um, I have a, I have Logic Pro as my backup DAW, um, and I'm still trying to learn that one. But for me, it, it's hard to go and make music and be creative when you're struggling to figure out how the DAW even works to do it. Because like, oh, I need to mm-hmm. do this. Well, that's not working. What's going on here? Yeah, it can be very frustrating. So like, I try to stick when to you're the like lane, fighting honestly. the learning curve. Yeah, it can be really hard to create. You think like, oh, these are the same type of programs. You think they do the same thing, but they're all very different in different ways and do things differently. But you can get the same end result for the most part with any dog. Pretty much. Which is funny. Yeah, in my opinion, like the best thing that any aspiring producer can do is uh, not necessarily. I mean, obviously, you always want to improve your sounds, but one of the other best things you can do is learn how to speed up your workflow. And if you're using like four different DAWs, you're not going to be able to speed it up as fast as if you're only um, using one. Now, sometimes you have to use multiple DAWs, of course, but if you can, just stick to one, I think. And obviously, I need to practice what I preach because I'm still using like three. (laughs) I agree with that, though. The more you know about one, you know, you become, rather than being, you know, knowing a little bit, about a lot, you can know a lot about a little bit. And what I mean by that is rather than knowing, you know, some basics about, let's say, four different DAWs, you can know everything there is to know about one. And definitely, you know, the latter is going to make your workflow a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Speaking of forgotten VSTs, though, I did find the granulizer. It's simply called Granulizer 2 by Inertia Sound System. So shout out Inertia. Inertia. They make a pretty good granulizer. All right. FL Studio gives you a lifetime updates, doesn't it? Like once you yeah. buy it, you just own FL Studio forever. Yep, that's right. That's something that's nice. every other DAW does not do, unfortunately. No other DAWs do that. Reason gives you a discount, but it's not big enough. Yeah, to so does Presonus. Apple actually, with Logic, you oh, don't yeah. have to pay again. But you have to upgrade your Mac OS to catch up with it, which I cannot do because I have plugins that I will lose plugins that I enjoy using very much that are 32-bit and they will not work on Catalina. That's because uh, Apple is not unreasonable. It's like Logic is just Logic. If there's an update, there's an update. There's no Logic 2, Logic 3. It's just Logic, you know? Yeah. that's Well, actually, technically it's Logic 10, but it's been Logic 10 for like you 10 years. You know what? I forgot about that. You're right. I'm just so used yeah. to everyone calling it Logic Pro. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, uh, it's Disregard. True. They drop a lot of cool stuff. Which I can no longer um, check it out because, yes. It's sadly. one of the cheapest DAWs, too, just really cool. Uh, it is. It's only like, what, two, three hundred? I think it's, it's $300. 200, it's $200. One night, right. Compare yeah. that to FL, and how much is that? Depends what version you get. Yeah, it depends on the edition. I think you start at $99.99, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's only one version of Logic. All right, let's get back to uh, talking about your music, Will. I'm curious. Who would you say like is sort of inspirational for your music? Like you would look to and say, oh, I definitely drew inspiration from listening to that kind of music. I love that question. Now, I will start off by saying inspiration means different things, possibly to different people. So for me, 
the things that inspire me aren't necessarily what I try to make. It's just things that I like to listen to that make me say, okay, I want to make some music. Like I, I like this music. I want to make some music too. So my inspirations don't necessarily reflect, I would say, 100% in my own work, but they're definitely what I listen to that inspires me to just create in general. So, I mean, my favorite artist of all time is uh, Nature Boy Flacco, kind of a lesser known uh, musician, producer. Yeah, I don't um, know. But I love his work. Pretty much everything I've ever heard of his, I just am astounded by. And he continues to push the envelope for new sound design. And I love that. Uh, I'm big into Amon Tobin, Flume, Evil Needle. Those are pretty much my go-tos there. Sam I Am for just his beat making skills. Yeah, I mean, as far as sound design and, and general vibes and styles, those are my biggest inspirations. Yeah, right on, man. Uh, next question we have for you over here is, um, and sorry if I pronounced it wrong, um, Gatsu talked about his method of sampling, uh, but you said you don't agree. Would you be able to kind of explain to us what you meant by that? Uh, just referring <laughs> to that one Instagram clip we saw, I think you're on an interview, if I remember correctly, and we were really interested by that line. Oh, Not man, yeah. It was That's... actually your old podcast. Ah, right. Yeah, Katsucast, man. Yeah, me and my buddy... Uh, Katsu style music. He, we used to do a podcast. Not quite sure why we stopped doing that, to be honest. That was a few years ago. Um, yeah, honestly, it's been so long. You're going to have to remind me about what, what were we talking about sampling? What was his method? Do you remember? I do Jacob? not remember. No. I'm pretty sure it's on your Instagram, Will. I remember you finding this. Uh... I'm going to pull it up. What I think, I think he was, um, I think he didn't actually say his method of sampling. He was just talking about why he did that. And then the clip ends with you saying, I like that because I don't agree with it. <laughs> you, you don't remember? We had a lot of those moments where, because he's an Ableton producer. And I'm not so just naturally, our workflows are very different. Also, he makes very different music. Mm -hmm. So I loved having those conversations with him because we were able to, I mean, at the end of the day, we kind of bonded on the fact that we both love music. We both love making music, but pretty much everything leading up to that was wildly different. And so we would always have these conversations where he would go about his um, method of starting a song. Like, yeah, he likes to use like start with the chords and then move it a very traditional way. And I'd be like, well, I don't really do that. I start with sound design first. And then like chords is like one of the later things that comes. Um, but I love having that, conversation because you realize how different everyone's workflow is and it can sometimes be yeah. easy to convince yourself that the way that you do it is like the normal way but that's never true this everyone for as many different producers there are there's just about that many different ways of making music um, I'm gonna have yeah. to pull up that specific clip and I'll let you know exactly what it was we happened to be disagreeing on at that time all right while you find that um, for me, it's so weird too, because me, I'm even different from both of you because when I get an idea musically, usually it's an entire song playing in my head and I'm like, okay, not like that, but like, I mean, an entire mix, like an entire production. Like I hear the chords, the melody and the drums all at once. And I'm like, okay, I got to make that. I got to hurry up and do all the parts before I forget. And, uh, Sometimes I get overwhelmed. I'm like, there's no way I can write all that down in what little time I have. And especially before I forget it. What do you, yeah, what about you? That's some big picture thinking. 
That sounds, just you explaining that was getting me stressed out. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like I a mean, lot, a lot to think about. Yeah. I mean, I've forgotten so many songs that I could have produced and might've even been hits, you know, I've probably managed to get down only about 20% of these ideas that I've had in my head. And even then, maybe 2% of them ever got completed. And those ended up usually being like mashups that I knew where I would start, where I would end, and everything in between. If I had like a roadmap, it always makes it easier for me. Um, and a lot of times I just don't have that with the original stuff. You know, I think that's that's a perfect kind of leeway into <laughs> back to what Jacob was asking me about the clip because I just I just pulled it up. And actually, mm-hmm. he's so this is me and uh, Katsu. We were talking about the same thing, honestly, just kind of in regards to sampling. And his method was very similar to yours, Austin, where he was saying he likes to start with an idea and then like work pretty much it's top down thinking, right? Like you start with the big idea and then you work down to the details. And what I was yeah. saying in the clip is, you know, I like it because I don't agree because that's not at all how I do it. I start <laughs> at the base level. I, I like to do, you know, bottom up thinking. That's just yeah. the way that I work. I start at the very yeah, granular fair. level. Like he's, like I said, sine waves, like I start there, I build that up and eventually the things like the arrangement and the melodies and the vibe, that's like the end process for me. So yeah, that's a, that was a funny clip. I'm glad you brought that up. That's so long ago. I forgot about that, but yeah, we were just talking about pretty much the same thing that we just talked about. That's real cool that you uh, pointed that out kind of top down sort of thinking. I never realized that, but yeah, I guess I am, but I've always thought it is cool too. What you do of like, just pull up an instrument and be like, okay, I am going to play with this and I am going to make it sound interesting. And then I'm going to build a song out of the rest of that. That's something that I've kind of always wished that I could do myself. But, you know, maybe if I just work hard at it, then eventually I'll, you know, be able to sharpen my skills at that. You definitely can. There's just a difference there, you know. Sorry, Jacob. No, you're good, man. Um, no, no. So, so, so I say like my way is also kind of similar. Um, I just... I. You know, I don't know if I have ADHD or not. I've never been diagnosed with it. But for me, I have trouble kind of just like focusing on something. And like, even if I do it, it's like, it's, I have such a limited window for like, okay, I'm tired. Or like, I just don't have like the energy to do this thing anymore. So uh, making music in that regard be very frustrating. That's why a uh, writer's block is such a, a big issue for me. So the way I go about making my music it really is throw stuff at the wall and see how it works. At least at first, I, you know, I know the basics of music theory. You know, I kind of know how to use the DAW and to do stuff that I needed to do. Uh, but I can't really just sit down with any ideas. And be like, okay, I'm gonna make this. It's usually just me playing around until I have something, and then next thing you know, it's like, wait, that sounds cool. Wh- wh- where can yeah. I take this idea? And that's how basically every. I feel like. Every song I've ever put out kind of started by accident in a way. It's funny. I relate to that, you know? And yeah. I I would say I definitely see what you're saying as like by an accident. Um, but I, I want to twist that maybe and just kind of give a different spin. I think it's more of it's just it evolved organically. That's the way I like to look at it. It didn't hey, really like start that, with... Yeah. <laughs> Um, you didn't have a plan. Yeah, let's put that on the resume. Let's not put that we produce accident songs. <laughs> let's just say uh, we put songs that uh, turn and uh, and uh, what's the word? 
They, uh, Jacob. <laughs> you know, I have on my Twitter bio, magician, not a musician for a reason. Yeah. No, there you go. It's like That's magic. a pretty good way of putting it. Let's just put that. <laughs> in. We, we don't uh, make accident songs. We uh, magically wish songs into existence. That's they just, yeah. they, if they happen, they happen. You got to be grateful that it came out. That's true. It could be the last That's song. I don't, I don't know, man. And dude, they're not going to happen unless you're working there in the program. That's the thing about yeah. like anybody saying like putting in that hard work. That's the thing that those happy accidents, they have a higher chance of happening when you're putting in the work. So yeah, that's like motivation for all of us too. That's right. Um, but anyways, I'm curious about something else actually. Well, besides music, do you have like any other creative projects or hobbies? Like uh, maybe video production or photography or maybe uh, pottery? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no, no pottery. That does sound pretty interesting though. Um, yeah. Creatively, uh, really, I mean, not in particular. Music is definitely my number one creative hobby, I would say. Um, I do like producing music, not just for music's sake, though. Like, I'm I'm interested in in uh, composing music and sound effects for video games. And actually, that's how we met. Yeah, I was gonna say, awesome. We met jam, in a game jam, 2021. That's the only one I've ever been to. I missed this year's. Oh, really? Yeah. One day that's... I just looked up and I was like, you know what? There was a game jam like two days ago, and I just missed it. <laughs> I think I'm still in that server too. Yeah, the oh, no, uh, global oh, yeah, yeah, game I jam. I am. I have to make it to the next year's. Do it. It's a lot of fun. I've actually done, that was my first one, I believe, the one that we met. And since yes, then, yeah. I've done a few more. And uh, not all of them have resulted in a like a playable product, but they all have experience that is, helpful and useful and you can yeah. use as far as like, I mean, a number of things. I mean, number one, working in a team <laughs> right off the bat, just being a, like a solo musician, that's a, that's a big difference. Like usually mm -hmm. it's just, you know, in the studio alone, making music you want to make, working in a team is different. You have people whose opinions you need to take into account, but also just the application of the music more for a purpose rather than just, I like this sound, you know, because Music, when you put it out just for your, like for instance, the music that I make now, like singles and things like that, that's a very, usually a very selfish endeavor, right? You're just saying, hey, I made this song and I like it and I want people to hear it. Like it's really just all about you. Whereas things like a game jam, it's not about you. It's about what, you know, what, what's the concept here? What's the mood? You're working towards an actual project to contribute your sound to. So I like that workflow yeah. though. It's, it's a lot of fun and I plan on doing more of those. So hopefully I can get, uh, you know, land a couple more spots and um, some of these jams, maybe, you know, work with the studio for a full release. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought of like singles being selfish, but, um, yeah, you're really opening my eyes here today, man. <laughs> Glad <laughs> I came. Do you remember that? Do you remember that one game there that was that had the Dino game rap? Do you remember that? I do. I do. <laughs> I just thought of that when we were talking about the game jam because I think we got second place for sound and music, so I was cool. And we got second place on a lot of things. Now that I think about it, it was kind of funny. We got second place on just about everything, but we didn't win anything. Any was that? Oh, was that uh, that? Was that your group with the dinosaur game? 
No, 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 no. The Dino Girl, that one was uh, the one that won first place, I think, because they made like a whole a whole song yeah. uh, just for the tutorial. Like, how are they not going to win with that? <laughs> uh, I think her name was Stephanie. But yeah, we got second place. I mean, I made the I made a whole song, but it wasn't for the tutorial. Um, right, yeah. I remember that. I remember liking the vibe of that whole, this, the imagery and the music really fit together well. And I like that. Yeah, I think so too. I think I ended up in a good team for that. Anyways, okay. So yeah, no other creative projects. So you don't go around like taking pictures and uh, sharing them? <laughs> no, I mean, outside of personal use, no, I don't. I, I have actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't really think of this as another hobby, but I guess it is. I mean, a lot of my works, you'll see like I have sketches on my Instagram page and these are works that are not fully fleshed out like song length tracks but um, they're just interesting pieces of music that I've written just short enough to be like a post on Instagram that really shaped a lot of these uh, sounds actually for my posts is you can only make mm. a song like 59 seconds long until it turns into a video and then it kind of crops it I don't like that so I try to make it just you know, 59 seconds or less. And I try to fit as much interesting stuff as I can in that time frame. And yeah. to make it interesting okay, visually, right I've started to create these little visualizers, which some of them are pretty simple. Some of them are not as simple, but I'm definitely yeah, a novice, those. but it's a lot of fun. And I think it adds some flavor, you know, to the whole the whole brand of, of weird sounds and weird sights, that type of thing. Yeah, we saw those. They definitely yeah. do fit. Yeah, we have a we have a friend. His name is Josh, and um, I told him sometimes, man, you should uh, pursue a career in like photography, especially if the music thing doesn't work out. But like, you should work on that because he he always posts like really cool pictures of his home in Scotland mm -hmm. um, when he's just posting them on Instagram. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the so, visualizers are cool. Yeah, speaking of visualizers and music, uh, I am curious uh, because this is kind of something I've been kind of flip-flopping myself and how I do it. But I was just curious how you go about mastering your music. You know, I don't know if you, you know, do it all in the box or if you use some kind of online service, if you pay someone to do it. Like, what's that procedure like for you? Yeah, that's the nitty-gritty of it, isn't it? So the yeah. <laughs> mastering, yeah. Um, I think every bedroom producer's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> is the mm. mastering process. Um, but for me, it depends. I remember um, before I even knew really what mastering was, like it was non-existent in my workflow. But my first EP, that's 20, I think 2018, maybe 2019, Intrepid, that one I sent out to have mastered, um, even though at that point the mixes probably left a lot to be desired. So they did what they can. Uh, or the could rather, but that one I sent out to um, a mastering engineer. The other works like the visualizers, none of that's going to be mastered. That's just kind of mixed down and maybe just like for loudness kind of slammed a little bit, but yeah, not mastered for sure. Now Anu, my uh, previous single with Carl's, that was also sent out. Ophi, I decided to try something new and just do it in-house like on my own so we'll see how that works out i'm not a mastering engineer but i decided that i didn't want to pay for someone else to master it to be honest and that's how we came about that decision yeah uh 
I figured out, or I found out, a huge kept secret. I'd never heard anything like this before. I found this video where this guy was demonstrating that one of the best ways you can get, like, clean gain staging for the master and, like, not any, like, stray peaks is by clipping. You can clip, like, every single bus of, like, all the different instruments and then clip the master bus. If it's done correctly and if it's done, like, really slightly, then you won't even be able to tell. And he says, he showed me uh, in this video, he showed me this plugin that was, like, built specifically to be the most transparent clipper ever and literally, like, repair all of the... um, Because, you know, like, when a clipper hits a sound wave, it bricks it off, right? It turns it... It makes it flat, right? Mm -hmm. turns it into a square wave. But this one, this clipper actually rewrites the peak below the threshold instead of squaring it off. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, like, very severe. Well, it's, like, very smooth, but also instantaneous like transient shaping so it just exactly lowers it yes, down yes exactly that is exactly what it is transient shaping now it can distort because of course it's still clipping it but it's built to be like really clean it's called newfangled saturate and i use it on everything now it really works and it gives you like bricked off sound waves that don't sound bricked off i was so impressed when i saw it that i just went out and dropped 50 bucks on it just like that which i never do that but um, that one, I was like, that's essential. I've got to have it. So now I just can't stop talking about it. And I just discovered this in like January. So, but I feel like that's something that would be like essential to me in mastering. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about controlling the transients. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't have me try that my, with my new song. I thought I did recommend that to you. Uh, ages ago. I, I, I forgot about that. Jacob, I've only known about this plugin for maybe four months. Yeah. But okay. What's your I point? Promise. Ages. <laughs> Remastered it like a month ago, if that. Oh, yeah. Silly me, I forgot. That's like three years in internet years. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, Will, thanks again for being on. We're going to let you go after one more question, and that is quite possibly the deepest question we could ask. What is your long-term goal for music? Specifically your music. Oh, yeah, that is a good question. Long-term goal. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) You really did hit me with a deep one at the end, huh? Okay, (laughs) let's see. Long-term goal. Honestly, I mean, financially, it would be great if it was, you know, self-sustaining career, if I could just make music as a career. I think most independent. Yeah, man, I think we can all agree with that. Yeah, exactly. So there's that, but I feel like that's the... (laughs) <laughs> like that that's the scapegoat answer but honestly like uh, from an inspirational standpoint it's just to make things it's just to add great music and sound into the world and apply it to to like a project that's bigger than just the sound itself like you know video games um, film even I mean something like that even like an art installation something that can apply the music to something bigger than just the music itself. Like that's the kind of thing. Those are the types of projects I want to be involved in and ideally known for. So I would say that honestly is uh, my, my long-term goal. Hmm. That's a good goal. Reminds me of uh, angels and airwaves and their approach and how they, uh, how Tom started making music, but we don't have to get into that today if we don't want. Yeah, I mean you can. You know, when I mean, you have you ever 
Will, have you ever listened to Angels and Airways? No, I have not. Have you heard uh, of a Blink-182 song? I have. So that guy, like the all the small things guy, Tom DeLong, uh, he's in a band now. It's this band called Angels and Airwaves uh, after he left Blink-182. And his kind of goal and his mission statement, I guess to say the least, uh, when he started it is he wanted the band to be bigger than just a band. You know, he wanted it to be kind of like an art piece to where, you know, he's also, he's making books, he's making movies and alongside like the movies and books, you know, there's his music to go along with it and things like that. And I just thought what you said kind of reminded me of that, you know, you kind of, you really do anything now in 2022, you know, you can film a movie on your iPhone, you could write a book in your laptop with uh, Google docs. And then, you know, if you want, you can make a soundtrack to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's about creating those universes, those creative universes. And like you said, I mean, 2022, I mean, with everyone, with how connected everyone is, the creativity that you can find is limitless and you can really create in-depth things. And I love working. That's why I love working with other people on other things, whether it's a game jam or like even just a collaboration on a song. Um, it's just, it's so fun to share ideas with other creators because that's, for me, one of the most inspirational things that can happen is when you have those moments where you are creating actively with someone else and you can just, you inspire them and likewise they inspire you to create something that you would not have been able to create on your own. And those are the right. kind of moments that I'm looking for. Yeah. That is quite possibly one of the most honorable answers you, could, I could have ever heard for that question, you know? <laughs> I'm glad I could provide an honorable answer. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's been a good episode. Thank you so much, Will, for coming on. And thank you, Jacob, for sticking around. This will be my last episode, so I think the next <laughs> no. episode you'll need two guests instead of one. No, whatever shall I do? But anyways, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for watching and peace out. Yeah, thanks for hanging out, Will. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been great. <laughs>